0: Everyone and welcome to another episode of La Rouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, sitting alone in the dark with my good friends Derek set and Stu Hardy. I want to apologize to everyone that is going to be watching this on YouTube because I look a little creepy here in the dark. But unfortunately, that is the transient lifestyle that I am faced with while renovations my my house continue. So you're going to deal with shadowy Dan on this last episode for for a while. So, gentlemen deal with it yeah. no, you'll have to deal with me for a while
1: <laughs> yeah I was like I was gonna say it's like this this is this is sad then it's like it's your last episode that's the yep. last time I'm gonna hear you do the introduction mm-hmm. and I can't even see your face because you're sitting in the dark like the guy on like a true crime yeah, documentary that can't show his face and has to like have the muzzled voice maybe that's
0: everything. why I'm leaving the show is I have committed a major felony and I'm this oh, is my slow you, transition into the ethos.
1: You gave Gary Gold the strategy tips and the game plan for Rugby Canada's playbook. I did. And that's that's why they lost. You
0: monster.
1: Ah, so we don't even need to do an episode now. Everybody blame Dan for why Rugby Canada yeah, I'm lost I'm still expecting
0: game. He, he said I would have tickets to the MLR final for next year. Oh, tickets wow. For the, US, for the All Blacks U.S. game wow and, and then the tickets for ireland us so i'm i'm set guys that's where i'm not leaving the show i'm going on like a rugby ah, tour so you've you've
1: you betrayed us you're just you're gonna yeah. be uh at and the end driving. of the show yeah at the end of the show you're like ripping <laughs> off the shirt and there's gonna be like a usa, USA. USA. <laughs> yeah, is, the backdrop the uh was like hulk hogan's theme like is gonna start playing. real american <laughs> playing yeah I'll exactly Dri- driving I'll off in me. this red ferrari yeah, exactly. That's oh that's that's what that's what's happened here. Okay, we knew it. So like, you were pretending to be happy, but the whole time you were just like, "Here's all the notes to to Gary Gold being passed down." Yeah. Oh man. Gee, yeah, it was like. You got so, like, to listen. You got to build towards the future. Your to rest, AJ McGinty, then too, right? To be like, hey, like we. Uh, uh, you know, no, get, I was all about the front hurt. row.
0: I'm like, these guys need the rest for the second game.
1: The second game, yeah, because they're so. yeah. oh. So it was all Dan. Wow. It's, it's all me, guys. You know what? I, I'm glad you're leaving the podcast now because uh, I can't believe <laughs> uh, I can't believe this betrayal.
0: Well, guys, you know what? Let's get right into that game. And you know what's funny is I look at this score 30 to 16, and it really is not reflective of how the game kind of went. I mean, that last minute try really changed the way this this looks. Um, the USA win the series 59 to 50 on aggregate. Uh, they will move on to face Uruguay for the Americas one. Uh, Canada will now face Chile in the Americas to repechage. Uh Canada scored a penalty try. Again, I kind of just mentioned that at the end of the game and had three penalties kicked uh, the U S scored six tries, one conversion, one penalty and one beautiful drop goal. Uh, guys, let's talk about the positive. Cause I, again, we could, we could spend a lot of time talking about the negatives of this game. Um, but, Let's talk about the things to work on. And since I'm leaving, I want to go first. I think Kainoa Lloyd once again proved that he's going to be an MLR next year. Like he looked like one of the only guys that were was a threat offensively. Um, you know, say what you will about his defensive skills. Which honestly, when I look back at him in, in his arrows days and in that that, Amer- that ARC that he was a part of. 2019 one, which would have been you know the last one that happened. He has progressed so much on the defensive side and has also you know kept up with his offensive skills. So my thing that's really positive is I've I've loved what we've seen of Kainoa Lloyd in this uh series, and I'm con- excited to see what uh comes more of him because frankly the outside backs are a little thin for Canada right now with injuries. So you know, we're gonna see a lot more of them in a month or so.
1: I'm going to just I add on to that before I get into uh, my little positive thing. And then we do, we do definitely have to break down some of the, uh, the less than positive oh, things about sure. this game. Sure. But um, you'll kind of know what Lloyd made like the best defensive play of the game.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: he literally just uh, was it, was it uh, a that was trying to ground it or I can't remember. It was a front row player that was trying to ground the ball and he just like swiped it off of him and like cleared the ball. That was amazing just like literally just took it out of his hands as he was attempting to ground it. Um so that that was brilliant. I you know if you're we're looking for some positives and stuff I do think you know what we saw I remember like what we were talking about a, the match um when they played you know when they played Wales you know a couple months ago and even last week and I think like Canada is really good at the breakdown. Um right especially like you know, he, there's obviously a lot of g- really good breakdown players on the team, but it's also like, you saw like Lucas Rumball in the first half was a madman. I think he had like three breakdown steals in the first half and he also got through to a mall and stopped a mall too. Um, So, I mean, like, I think with guys like Rumball, Heaton, you know, even he came off the bench, but even like Kyle Bailey, Sears, Duru, I thought was playing very well at the breakdown. Um, Quattro and Tierney, they were all pretty good too. Um, and, you know, it's 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 probably the one area of the game that i was like i didn't think us in this game i didn't think usa had like a advantage on yeah. or whatever like they like you know they they had definitely had their moments in the game for sure like they definitely had their moments at the breakdown but it was like yeah like especially early in the first half it was like they looked like they didn't have like an answer if lucas rumball showed up that's like that was a problem um for the united states th- throughout the game so i think they did they did do that pretty well but it was just um yeah, so like if you are looking for positives, I think that would be that would be the one area that I'd be like, yeah, I was actually I'm pretty pleased yeah. with that. It's so nice Ricker to see Hotting, guys getting turnovers constantly.
0: Ricker Hotting is infamous for being a you know a strong player at the breakdown. And I think that with this suspension, the USA are are missing a player like that. Like Fanana Schultz and and um Hammersize are very similar in terms of they're kind of more of a crash ball. Um, the rugby network did a preview comparing rumble and hammer and kind of talked about how they're kind of two different types of flankers, you know? Mm. And I think that, you know, you're right. I, the U S didn't, uh, weren't as aggressive as Canada was. And I think that's really based on who they put on the pitch.
2: Yeah. I think, um, like the positive that I'm, uh, trying to find from it is that, um, I say like the opening few minutes was, Excellent work because obviously we knew that the United States were going to come out firing. They not only did they need to win, they needed to make up the deficit as well. Um, but as soon as they conceded a, as soon as Canada, sorry, conceded a penalty and Adrian mcginty got his first and I believe one of two kicks on the night, um, the immediate return was that, um, we had Cooper Coates step up and put in that monster penalty yeah. to lay down the marker and be like, "Hey, if you commit a penalty in your half, we've got the ability to convert into points." Didn't happen that much, but uh, <laughs> you know, it was a good intention to. Uh, yeah, it, it looked good at the start. Yeah, well, that was the um, thing too. Is like uh, to
1: go off your start though. Like Canada was winning this game at one point too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think as well. long,
0: but they were. I,
1: they yeah. were. They were. It was, I was like, it's all, yeah. Like, I mean, I think the USA was obviously the better team throughout the duration of the match, but there was technically a point where Canada was winning. it.
2: Yeah. I'd also like to um, congratulate Lucas Rumble on his impromptu uh, video package of being able to take pile drivers and he may be signing for WWE <laughs> soon. <laughs> like, in his turn, um, when Jameson Fernando Schultz uh i was got yellow carded that was lesage that wasn't Rumble. are you sure it wasn't rumble because yeah, was I, I, yeah. I really because i saw yeah, rumbles and that number was uh there was the, the turn
1: it was the kick chase it was rum it was uh lesage and Viculani. Really? that rock yeah
2: i do remember seeing uh lucas rumbles number oh he might have been I mean, there he was probably he, there. no he was the one who was being pile was. <laughs> That was the whole I, point. I, I from thought the it was Lesage. Card. I'm
1: pretty sure it was Lesage. Was it not Lesage? We need to get. Uh, we need to let, go consult some tape here.
2: Yeah. Either way, um, hope your new career with WWE goes well. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of Fernando Schultz, um, it was pointed out that um, he received two yellow cards but didn't yeah. receive the red card. That may um, so that may impact their uh, ambitions when it comes to playing against Uruguay um well, yeah, at the at the, at the time of recording nothing's been announced or confirmed yet yeah, but you know that can obviously change probably, probably by the time it has come out it's been announced so you no know, knowing our luck um yeah i think there were there were flashes of the game against uh in sorry the game in um st johns there was that piecing that was there but it was like you had all the pieces, but none of the glue because things just didn't stick together. Um, like we knew, for example, that the scrum was going to be an issue of concern, which was clearly obvious. And we knew that like as soon as the ball um, was put in, it had to get to the back. It had to get out as soon as possible. And that happened a few times, but eventually USA would just hitting stronger and faster and being able to turn that ball over yeah. as well. It's, so I'm um,
0: sorry to interrupt yeah. uh, I'm looking at Brian Ray's Twitter and he just says that a Canadian player was suplexed. So the mystery continues on until yeah. you can oh, look at, actually look at watch my, the game. Look at my Twitter. Oh, okay. Continue my on your Twitter. thought, there's two. While I look at
2: <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't just the scrum, the set piece as a whole – Especially when they came to like the line out was hit and miss. Um, it didn't help that the way the camera angle was set up. It looked like every line out was um wasn't thrown straight. But I so believe that's just being on a bank side. My my only thing is like with the line out is it was like, I
1: mean, obviously not good um throughout the course of the game. It was like in the first half, it was significantly better. Right, like the first half, I think I think they had like one or two missed slash stolen lineouts in the first half, but then in the second half, when Howard came on for Quatrain, that's when it became like almost every lineout. Which is
0: funny because the 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 game before it was the opposite. When Howard came Uh, on, like he was he was, and I wonder why. I wonder if that was their thinking is because he came on almost at halftime.
1: I wonder if they're like,
0: okay, we need a little bit more accurate throwing and. Well, like, and- I don't like,
1: yeah, I don't know what it was either. Like, it was, I mean, yeah, Howard, Howard's just once Howard came on, it was like they could, like, Quat- Quatrain's, like, the lineup when Quatrin was in wasn't perfect either, but yeah. it was a lot better. They were at least connecting. And I mean, you know, when you're going up against like Dolan and Savetta, you're going to like, I mean, not that you should expect, not that you should expect them to be stealing the ball from you and stuff, but it's like I think as a fan, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, like they're probably they're giving up if one they're or not two.
0: stealing, they're definitely going to be disrupting. Yeah, them. exactly. That is a team that like you know for parts of the Springboks yeah. tour, the Lions wouldn't jump. Like the US are going to jump because they have the, the yeah, players that exactly. can disrupt. But I think sure.
1: I think that was part of the thing too. Is like in the second half, it was just like, yeah, but here's Dolan and Savetta were just like having, like, their way with the Canadian line-out, right? Yeah. It just, um, which, you know, I was... We, we've kind t- of talked about uh, the how the set-piece, especially when you were looking at the matchup with the United States um, in both the scrums and in the line-out was going to be an issue. And it didn't come through in St. John's where Canada... Like, even in the game in, in St. John's, right? It was like USA started with the better set-piece. And then as Canada gained momentum and, like... On way to victory, Canada started to like shift the tide in that set piece too. They Connor Key started stealing the Canadian or started stealing American lineouts. The scrum was getting a big push onto the USA, onto the USA scrum. And then that just didn't happen in this game, Mm -hmm. right? It was like the USA established the dominance early and then kept like their foot on Canada's throat the whole time, right? And especially in the, um, like in the first half when like the first couple lineouts were missed um you could tell like guys guys like Savetta and dolan can like smell like the blood in the water there yeah. it's like they know they got you know there's times it's like they know they got you beat right so it's um it just kind of became tough and it was like you know i think can tried a couple times like let's throw over the line out and stuff and it was like well even those weren't connecting or they were going to deck and then it would be kind of sloppy, even if it got recovered or something, it wasn't, they couldn't use it to establish like a clean platform to attack.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, what frustrated me was there wasn't when Canada had opportunities in the USA's half, the killer instinct just wasn't there. You know, there was a, Pardon me? Yeah. Or watch a box. That, oh. that, that was so frustrating to watch. And uh, there are there there were many discussions mm. about that on Twitter. But for me, it was like there's there's plays like um, Ross Brody threw a pass forward coming off of a set piece.
2: Yeah. Um, there yeah. was
0: another play where Lloyd uh, passed the ball to Coates and Coates just didn't catch it. Dropped it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dropped it. Um, there was a play – um trying to find it that like there was great set piece play and they, they you know there was they were they're turning the ball and um sears drew made a pass to Tierney and Tierney knocked it on and the ball yeah. was
2: just
1: there is the other one too like in the um i think it's the 68th, 69 70th minute somewhere mm-hmm. in that area where they actually started working the ball through the hands and like they got the numbers out wide and it was a forward pass from Howard to Lloyd that yeah. ended that, but Lloyd Lloyd had no one in front of him and it could, yeah, it's it another would try, have been a try, but that was,
0: that, that's, it. those was are those little say, details.
1: Yeah. The little details. I think I was just going to say that that's what Lucas Rumball highlighted in his like post-match interview too, was just like, you know, there's like, there was, there was just a lot of like, individual errors like those little things that are like the dropped balls a forward yeah. pass yeah um you know the um like being offside um you know uh not to single anybody out because everybody had a mistake somewhere but like you do think of things like peter the the kick going out on the full or like the you know the overthrown missed lineouts, right um you kind of do right and it's like i i don't mean to like in saying that i don't mean to like pick on nelson or howard because that's like they just happen to be the guy that that's their job is to throw the line out or that's their job to do the kickoff. Um, but it is, but it, you know, it's, it is like those mistakes. Um, the box kicking thing, I kind of find fascinating as, you know, it obviously kind of, Dan, as you said, kind of became like an a, a interesting like discussion. And it was like, I think the, uh, the issue for me isn't that, like, I'm fine if Canada wants to use like the box kick as a strategy. Right, because there's there's a lot of successful club teams and international teams that do box kick a lot, right? Yeah. Like the Spring Box, like Faf the Klerk's one of the best guys in the world at a box kick, right? Like the Spring Box, the Spring Box love using that. Um, the thing is with the box kick though, right, is it's like I think so I think I have two kind of issues with it. Is that one in this game, in this game in particular, they used it too much. Right. And there was and they used it too much too often. And too predictably. And too um, close
0: in, to their own try line too. Like, you know, Nelson's got a boot. Cooper well, yeah, has it, a boot. Yeah. Like you've got mm-hmm. guys and like Spencer Jones is his great kicking ability. You've got mm-hmm. guys that can support Brody. And he just, yeah. And I don't know if it was a coaching decision or if it was him being, you know, stubborn and, and deciding that he wanted to try to rectify some of his previous mistakes in the game, but it, it was a consistent non-starter for any type of offense. Well, that was the thing, right? Is like the, the offense, like there wasn't a
1: whole lot of attack until the game was kind of lost. Cause every time it literally like even rewatching the game, it feels like every time Canada gets the ball, it was one phase box kick, right? One phase box kick. And I mean, they box kicked in the game in St. John's as well, but it was like the biggest, difference. like a box kick is only as good as the chase, Right. Pretty much any kick in rugby is only as good as the chase. Right. And in this game, like the chase was not there on a lot of the occasions, but it was also right. So it was like when the box kick would happen, it would be like, you know, you know, Marcel Brockie taking it calmly, like, you know, in in, uh, the USA defense. Right. And, like, he would be back there. He would take it calmly. He would have time to assess what he wanted to do, right? And it was, you know, and then he would, you know, make a play and the USA would come back or, you know, whereas, like, in the previous game, but, like, there was a couple moments where the kick chase was really good. One was Brody put up a box kick and I can't remember which of the American players actually caught it, but that was when Lesage and Vic Alani, I'm still saying it's Lesage that got suplexed, by the way. Yeah.
0: I mean, you tweeted at the time that it was Lesage.
1: See, there we go. I knew But it. I
0: mean, that's only confirming
1: based off of you. Well, yeah, that's why I think that. <laughs> um, but it's... Uh... We got to watch the tape, consult the tape. But either way, that was a good box kick. So I, I can't remember who the American player was. I'm kind of blanking on that. But he makes the catch. And then Lesage and Vickilani were right there, steal the ball. And then that's when uh, Fanana Schultz suplexed Lesage and got that yellow card. So that was really good. There was another moment, too, um, which, in all honesty, I think it was one of the best kick chases of the game, but also simultaneously the most frustrating moment of the game for me, which was Ruben De Haas' try. Yeah. To me it was the most frustrating moment of the game. Um, the USA, because that whole play, if you break down the whole play, as we kind of said, the USA's line out was killing Canada on both sides of the ball. And this was the one line out I feel like all game that the USA messed up. Right. And so Pifoletti throws it in. Savetta, I don't Savetta goes up and Savetta just like drops it like the contest from Canada isn't even like that great like I mean Keys is kind of there but it's like so that it just it hits both his hands and he drops it and the ball just happens it lands on the Canadian side Thomas picks it up and throws it to rumble who goes and scampers about 15 so meters before he gets hit and Brody runs around they set up the box kick for that Cooper Coates rocking the extremely cool number 25 jersey at this point yeah. in the game Gotta love that. Gotta love the random, seeing the random numbers on the pitch sometimes. So Cooper Coates rocking the twenty five jersey runs on and his chase is perfect. Goes up. Ruben De Haas has to like park underneath the underneath the ball. Co- Coates just times his jump perfectly. Sails over. Beautiful take in the air. Takes it. Gets the ball back for Canada. Ruck forms and Brody just runs up and if I'm Ruben DeHaas at 51 minutes into the game, I got to be thinking every time these guys touch the ball, it's a box kick. And you can tell, like, as soon as, like, you can tell, because, like, De Haas kind of goes from, oh, dang, I lost that contest to this ball's going to be right here. And Brody kicks it into his chest. Because Brody, had, one, had, like, no protection. I don't know why he box kicked that. Um, but, one, he had no protection. And, two, it was like, What, like, you know, the USA just turned over a line out. You got a great, you got what the box kick is should be used for in all reality, right? You gained some terror, you gained a lot of territory really quickly because you had an excellent kick chase. And then you just, instead of being like, let's work from this, you know, put the ball, give just pass the ball to anybody, like go either go to the forwards to let them try to crash through the gain line or maybe just try to swing it to like a back. That can take advantage mm-hmm. of the fact that the USA have to scramble back now. And, and but instead, it was just like Brody didn't have any protection. He was just like, I'm gonna throw up another box kick. And De Haas was probably like, This is all they've done the whole game. They're gonna do it. And like that's what I was kind of saying. It's like I feel like that's where it got into the sense of it's not that I have an issue with box kicks inherently, right? It's like you got to be able to you you have, have to be effective. if you use them effectively, they can work. But it's like I think that's where it got into is like they did it too often. Right. They did it far too often, far too much. And it got to the point where it's like, I think like, yeah, like Ruben de Haas could tell you can tell by watching that play. He knew it, can was, I, it was a box. Can I, can I
0: dig the knife in a little bit further? And this, this is not a, a box strategy kid, just thing. just in general. This is not a, a strategy thing. This is kind of a, this is from, this is a purely f- emotional fan feeling. And um, I'm lucky enough this year at a new school to be working with a, a Peterborough rugby like legend. Mr. Uh, Ed Holton, um, him and I were talking about it, about the, about the game on uh, yesterday and the poor guy, like he has been watching Canadian rugby for decades. Right. And where our yard is, there's just kind of this, this hill that kind of goes down into the, the soccer pitch and he starts walking down the hill and he turns around and looks at me. He's like, you know, this game was an opportunity to win back. Fans that have been so disheartened by what's going on with Rugby Canada, like yeah. this was their opportunity to to be like, we know you guys have had a tough time, and we're here for you. And listen, I, I understand that like the players can't own that, like the players can't own the the organizational no screw ups, but they are also like they also need to bear the fact that that was not a good game, and that fans were oh, no, yeah, looking no, forward to. They they gave them hope and then they kind of just threw it in the dirt with that yeah. performance. And you know what? Well, Sorry. I, I think, that I think just, that's just how fans are feeling. And like yeah. I think Ed, Ed said it perfectly. Like that was that was an opportunity to, to pay back those fans that have been frustrated by all the shenanigans coming out of the Olympics, this stream streaming deal, yeah. the fact that we haven't had any rugby in a while, that they Every, the everything European, else. yeah that yeah that covid's been ruining everything that the you know european tests weren't a good showing for canada like this was the chance it just slipped away like the fact that like they they won by like five or by like what was it by nine like come on yeah i think
1: i think like that that's i do i kind of i think i get what you said too because it's like i think you know, the gaming in St. John's, I think, was one of like probably what Rugby Canada needed the most, because I think you uh, I agree with you, Dan. I think it was like there was we've talked about it. It's like there was that certain there's certainly like a an air of frustration from the Rugby Canada fan yeah. base right now. And that win in St. John's, which was like, you know, I don't know, one of the best games Canada's played in like four or five years, maybe like, yeah. Um. Yeah, like, right. And it was like, oh, right. And it was like, you could go from it. It was like, everybody went, you can see like the online Twitter, like online and like, you know, regardless of what social media site you're on, but it was all, I thought like one of the funniest things that I thought was everyone's being like, you know, it's like, you know, this premier sports deal is a disgrace to I'm so happy I paid for that because that game was yeah. amazing, right? And then people being like, oh, damn, like I want to and then people being like, oh, damn, I guess I have to pay for this. I want to watch the like replay of it because it was a good game or whatever. And then uh, but then, it, yeah. And then it's just you go back to this game now and it's like and the frustration, I think from the, the, the from the fan base certainly kind of came out again. And I, I, like you said, then it's not that it's like not deserved because it's like that there was ultimately that was a bad game. But I think, I think, though, the underlying thing to me, and uh, you guys can let me know if you feel differently or you feel the same way. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Is I think we can all agree that this game in Glendale ultimately was terrible. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair thing to say, yeah. right? I think it's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I think a big part of the frustration thinking now that i've kind of sat and thought about it rewatched the games a couple times you know and even looking at like the arrows how these guys play you know the arrows and even the players that aren't on the arrows how well they play like we got some some of the guys on team canada are like the some of the best players in major league rugby yeah and like you said it's like like you said a couple episodes ago it's like team usa is at the heart of it mostly major league rugby guys too right like Mm -hmm. the matchup Mm -hmm. should be there and i think to me as a fan it's like that's where the frustration is starting to come in is seeing them lose knowing that they can play way better than that yeah and i think that's i think that's where it's it's coming in. and it's not even that it's like i know i i'm hopeful that they can play way better than that it's like right because it's like oh you know obviously you know things haven't been the greatest for rugby canada as far as the you know, test competition in the past couple of years. And it's like, it's not that I'm like sitting here being like, you know what, I'm just, you know, going to have the uh, the rose colored glasses on being like, oh, they can play way better than that. They'll get better next week or whatever. And it's like, we're literally like, what is it? Tuesday? We're like, what, four like 12 days removed from them literally playing significantly better than what they did on uh, last Saturday, right? It's like, you know, I think that's where the frustration lies a little bit too, is it's like, from like the players that are on this team and stuff. And even like, even to that, like to the extent too, it's like the coaching staff and everything. It's like, you know, they can play better, but it's just, you know, it's one of the, it's another one of those games where it's like, yeah, like, cause it's like, yeah, like Lucas rumble is going to show up and get three breakdown steals without breaking a sweat, but then you're just going to kick the ball away. Right. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta start doing something with the, there's a lot of great players on the team. Like even without, even with missing all the guys that they were missing. And it's like, we, they just, you got to find, like, I think that's the, I think that's where it is at the point now is it's just like, you look at the roster and you're like, yeah, they can play a lot better. So still a lot better. And you just have to find, they just have to put it together.
0: Yeah. So still, I want to look forward towards next month because Canada now has some time. To kind of reflect on what that series was—the good and the bad. Now, the things that we've mentioned are things that are—they can't fix them. You know, I think credit needs to go where credit's due to the U.S. They are for sure. USA fully deserved that win. The U.S. deserved that second win. They They are incredible. incredible. Uh, They did very, very well, and they also again used still didn't use guys like Ryan James, um, who I'm still interested to see at test level rugby. Um, So, Stu, you have been doing some great stuff about, uh, you've been putting out a lot of really great content about South American rugby. Um, You kind of have a good feeling of that, that Chile has improved significantly over the past 18 months. I want to go to you first about what does Canada need to do to remain on course towards having a competitive and hopefully a win over uh, Chile?
2: I think the first thing to aim for, especially after a performance like this one, is there needs to be a plan B in place. There needs to be a basis, and it could just be a, like a very simple plan of, you know, lads, you need to keep your head calm. You need to stop making the individual errors. You need to not be focus on making up for your personal mistakes but focus on what the team needs so you're not making the errors that others are then able to capitalize on so you know you're not doing any forward passes you're not um keeping the ball when you need to offload you're not kicking away when you need to wait for a forward to come in to provide a blocker you know it doesn't have to be complex it can just be simple you need to focus on that because even though obviously Chile haven't played a professional game um yet um since their qualifications which were in uh July yeah July um they will be playing against um Argentina 15 there's a bit of a warm-up these next couple of weeks so they'll be you know dusting off the cobwebs so they won't have that excuse either um and yeah this the Chile that they will be facing will not be the same chile from 2018 and 2019 in which canada just shipped a ton of points against them
1: you're telling me uh, it not going to
2: be 56
1: nothing with kainoa lloyd scoring 12 tries uh, <laughs> and 12 times yeah
2: 12 times that's a minimum of 60 points I don't know
1: Oh, I, was just, nah. I was just, I guess, uh, my math on uh, how many tries he actually scored in the <laughs> yeah. previous encounters. Believe he got a hat
0: trick. I think we can get. I think I can give him that. I remember. Uh, All
2: right, part. but um, well, uh, so let's look at um, the advantages they have. The first game will be in Victoria, where I imagine uh, the majority of the team are already in preparation for um, this uh, second phase of uh, qualification. So um not flying into saint john's or anything like that you're in like a home location to put it that way your um, familiar surroundings familiar crowd is going to be you know again an all canadian um partisan crowd hopefully um cheering you on so you have them behind you as well um so yeah i would i i've said i've treating chile with caution um this could this could easily be a series that i hope uh by mid october i'm saying well that was easy 140 on aggregate wow (laughs) um but i'm being i'm trying i'm trying to keep my like expectations for sure low so that my joy will be greater as a result and you know what i think we we gotta
0: remind ourselves that i mean Chile has had a a team in uh, SLAR. They have had a centralized program since 2019, I believe. So, you know, they have been um, changing the dynamics of Chilean rugby, and they've had some impressive uh, games, uh, especially within the last uh, kind of calendar year. So I think the other side of the coin, though, is that, I think this this Canada team is going to come out of this test series and go, all right. Well, we just went toe to toe with probably the second best, and in my opinion, they're the second best American team. You know, Ar- it goes Argentina, U.S., yeah, I was, I was Uruguay concerned. to me. Yeah. Right, I I do think the U.S. Yeah. will. Well take care of Uruguay. I think right? that's how they stack up in the official
2: like world rankings. I think so. Well, I'm I'm, oh no, I'm, I'm just looking at the rankings now because by, they did
0: Uruguay did slip above the US after their loss to Canada. So but I'm sure maybe US's victory
2: win. has yeah. now put them up ahead USA by point 0.1 point. There you go. So that's they're on that, top, baby. Dude, that that um
0: that USA Uruguay series gonna be awesome. Yeah. That's gonna help, though, and and you know what? I really think that um, that Canada is going to learn things from this. And again, there there are still pieces that are still learning to play. Not, I mean, I mean, we started two sevens players, like that's that. Like there are still guys learning things, and this is still a relatively young national team. Yep. Like so, Um, they're going to learn from this stuff. We're not we're not a seasoned veteran team anymore. That's that that cycle, and we're gonna talk about. The cycles of 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 rugby players later on in the show, that's over. So, I expect a more learned in Canada, and hopefully, I can just enjoy it just as a fan and and cheer Canada on to another series win. Yeah,
1: you don't have to take notes anymore on the games. No, I I just
0: enjoy it. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, well, let's. I did want to add. I
1: guess maybe kind of add one thing. It's like I, I as you said, it's like. Chile's good. You can't like overlook them. They gave Uruguay a really good run for their money um, earlier this year. Um, they had uh, Escobar got held up on the line in like the 80th minute, um, you know, which enabled which if he managed to dot that ball down, it could have been, you know, Chile could have been, you know, playing the United States right now or something, right? So that could have been interesting. Um, I do, but like, I think the big things is, is like. You kind of look at this game and it's like, I think what I would want to see is, is like, obviously the line out work on that a little bit, mm-hmm. um, gain some confidence with the ball in hand as well. Like, don't that's like, you know, cause I think there was that, like I said, we talked about that one play with that ended with, um, you know, a forward pass from Howard to Lloyd, but that was off a Canadian line out that didn't exactly work, but Canada managed to recover possession. And they, instead of, you know, kicking it away or just going to the forwards, they work, the, they get the ball to the backs and you could see like how fast they opened up a hole in the U.S. defense when they decide to work the ball through the hand. They just couldn't connect on the final pass. So it's like, I would like to see a little bit more of that. I don't hate the box kicking, but maybe tone it down a little bit. Um, but then the other thing, too, is like they kept going back to that box kick and stuff and just. You know, have you know if if he gets to Chile or something, and you see something's not working, it's like I, I want to see like where, there needs to the be adjustment. adjusting within the game. Yeah, I the adjustment in the game because I don't I don't think that was necessarily there because I think it was like up at, at least it wasn't there with Brody in the game. Um, it kind of like I said it's like a little bit of they had like a little bit more time ball in hand when Higgins kind of came sure. in and wasn't box kicking at every ruck, but. Um, but that's the thing I, I would like to kind of see is like, you know, cause in a game, in a game like this, it was like, at one point, it's like, okay, how, at what point does the box kicking kind of turn into feeling like you're just giving the ball away. Right. And it's like, if yeah. it's not working, try something else. Um, but that, that would be, that would kind of be it. Ultimately though, ultimately though, like, I mean, the I know Chile has improved, but the success that Canada has had against them, I think should give you a lot of confidence in them um you can't look past chile certainly don't take them lightly but i don't i don't see why Canada can't be like confident going into this game and you know hopefully uh you know you know hopefully they do well and then hopefully uh we can be talking about either uh yeah probably canada uruguay or canada usa later on
0: one thing uh, i want to quickly touch on is that if you are concerned about the chilean pack which is what a lot of people have talked about that that they've the national team has improved on use your backs get that ball out wide use them uh, you've got guys that have experience now like especially with your fly half who i i have i've grown more confident in these past two tests tests use him and his fantastic centers to distribute that ball yeah and you might be surprised use, use the backs more yeah yeah Okay, guys, uh, so there has been some Arrows news. They have uh, made some signings, which is exciting news. Um, it's nice to get to signings so early. Um, so the Arrows have signed four, well, re signed four more Arrow players for 2022. Um, Sam Malcolm is back no big deal. for a full season. That's great. Jack McRogers, Ollie Knott, and Marc Antoine Oulette. Um, you know, Sammy uh, came at the end of the season for a couple games. Uh, Jack has been had, I think, a really strong season. I'm surprised that he didn't tour with. Did you, with did you see the stat the
1: arrows posted for Jack McRogers? I had no idea that this was the case, but did you see it at all? I, I have it up right now if you want to. Which stat? Because there's a few. There was. So Jack McRogers, I did not
0: realize
1: oh, this. Oh, yes. Has the all-time franchise leader in tackle completion in a minimum so, of
0: eight games played
1: yeah mm-hmm. so well i mean he's played quite a bit more than eight games so but as like, in to be
2: in this yeah. tally you have, you have to have played yeah. eight. Yeah. but i
1: mean he's played 18 games like there's yeah. probably i mean there's probably like that's there's probably not too well i mean there's probably a decent amount of guys that have played more than 18 games but there's probably not the biggest list um he's mm-hmm. you know he's uh Um, but like yeah, like that's you know that's that's impressive. I had no idea that he uh is that says he's only he's only missed five tackles in his 18 career games. Yeah, which is which is really good. I mean, even if you are coming in off the bench, that is that is that is an impressive little stat.
0: 22 years old. Um I think that he that that it was a shame that he didn't go with Canada. Um I understand that the European tours, but for him not to be involved with this current, uh, Ruganda group, I think is a shame. Um, all the knots, a nice, a great story. Um, I really enjoyed watching him at the world 10 series. I think that he played really well there and then was able to kind of, uh, uh play himself into an MLR, you know, medical Joker deal, uh, you know, 80, 88.5 tackle percentage. So, you know, no, no, uh, slump in himself. Um, 51 carry, uh, meters carried on 15 carries, 49 ruck arrivals. It's good. In yeah. three games. It's four good. line out, uh, takes and three, uh, uh, broken tackles. So, you know, he's already got two caps for Canada, um, you know, kind of coming out of the, 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 rugby wilderness. And I think that we're going to be seen in the next couple months who will be coming back and who's not. So it's good to see Ollie uh, earn himself a contract with, with the arrows. Um, Mark Antoine Oulette is an interesting, uh, interesting, uh, case for the arrows. You know, he's the, uh, the, the crossover athlete from the university of Laval. Um,
2: crossover athlete that's not from colorado well wow see we can do it too (laughs) Uh, we did it
0: first
1: okay he's got
2: a hundred percent
0: tackle rate uh but he's only played five games uh 10 tackles 31 rucker rivals two offloads um i think the best way to describe him is a project player Mm -hmm. um you know definitely I think needs to get more comfortable with the game, but he made some really strong plays near the end of the season. And you know what? We, we saw what not having enough props was like this year. So it's never a bad thing to yeah. not ha- you to can ha- to have, to never have too have many props. front row players. That's exactly. Cool. I, I I like Mark Antoine
1: who man. I mean, like you said, he was, you know, coming over from, uh, from the Laval Rouge or, which is like one of the best basketball programs that we have in our country. Um, so going through that program, I mean you gotta be a hell of an athlete in order to just to make Laval's squad there. So um, you know, and you know, I, I thought he I thought he handled himself well, like in the games that he has played. And I like honestly, I look forward to seeing to seeing more of him, and hope maybe he uh, gets some more opportunity. We'll see what the uh, the front row kind of shapes out to be as we get more of these signing announcements. Uh, Mick Rogers, you already kind of said everything there's there is to say about him. I, I I think this this is easily his best pro season that he's coming off of, so it's great to see him back. I liked what Ollie Knott did in his brief appearance too. As we're going to get to in a minute, um, who knows what the uh, back row for the is going to look like next year too? There might be some changes in that, and then like Sam Malcolm, I mean the legend, the, the, the legend, goat, Sammy the Boots.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about this Sam Malcolm guy. I mean, you know, he don't from, he from don't, the record. He he's, he's only scored one try, but I mean Jack McRogers oh, has I know, scored that's two, true. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's true. I, you know what, Stu?
2: That is a very yeah, good point. It's only very one true.
1: try. That's very yeah. true. Is he? Is he the franchise leader in tackle completion percentage? You no. know what? I think
0: it's. I think it's really great to have Sam come back, considering that. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. He played straight over. you know, back yeah. you know in uh, in Japan and felt like it was it was a necessary thing that he wanted to come back and play for the arrows, which is just
2: just even it makes your heart thought,
0: happy after such a yeah. tough season
1: to like see that i'm I'm so excited to have him back for a full year um it's just it's one of those things is like i guess the 2019 season just completely endeared himself to the fan base like Mm -hmm. yeah, you know he's probably like i don't know like he's probably like uh what maybe like a top five most popular player in arrow's brief history right now
0: yeah
2: maybe higher i up think up that's three, fair maybe. to say well definitely among i think yeah. the most popular players probably uh dan moore i think i think the yeah, try celebration is 50 percent of his popularity <laughs> but obviously he's now retired so he's yeah but oh definitely sure. one... like more is up there
1: malcolm's up there like yeah. della vega yeah it's like there's, well. there's a lot of guys that it's like have really endeared themselves to the fan base and stuff too and it's like yeah. Mal- malcolm's right up there and i mean part part of it is you know, his ability on the pitch. And then part of it is just, you know, who he is as a person too. Yeah, so it, it is great to see him back. It's great to see all four of them back. Um, you know, teams, uh, you know, it, it's early um, with the announcements of the re-signings and stuff, but, you know, it's, as uh, I think we mentioned it last week, it's like the Arrows have always been one of the best teams for that, uh, you know, the player retention. And, you know, they always talk about how strong the culture is on the team and stuff too. So,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: it's, uh, it is great to see so many guys returning. Um, now, now we get on to slightly sad. Yeah. So guys, speaking of some of those extremely popular players that we just mentioned.
0: Yeah. So it's been announced that, um, Thomas de la Vega is, uh, joining Provence in, uh, uh, the pro D two for three months as a medical joker. And I guess part of the contract is there is if, if he performs well, the ability to resign with the club, um, you know tommy has been kind of a soldier for the arrows especially when we had those international games uh this past season he really stepped up we want to wish uh tomas the best because this is going to be a great opportunity for him and i'm there's almost no way he does not get a contract because he's just such a hard-working player he's, like, just that good. he's he, got
1: he is that good like i'm not i wouldn't be uh it's like i would love to see him back in an arrows jersey especially well, you know it's only a three month contract so yeah, maybe
0: but i mean brian ray even made the point in, in his write-up about it that like argentina will be playing test matches in europe and like thomas de La vega has been playing so well and with some teams not being willing to give up some of their players like
1: maybe oh maybe, Doss, it's like maybe just
0: keep your phone close to you in case uh los pumas uh and
2: and especially with uh, Puma's current uh, scoring record as of late, maybe you need to have uh, the veteran experience come in. Yeah, exactly. But we, but we will see. We will see.
0: Yeah. And so some other uh, Arrows news. Um, exciting news for one of the young players. Alex Russell has been called up to Canada sevens. Um, some of the other players include uh, Andrew Coe and Josiah Mora, two former Ontario Arrows. And we're going to talk about this now because there is an obvious transition in Mm -hmm. the sevens program. Um, If you look at the roster, Phil Berna, Jake Thiel, Matt uh, Oruru um, from the Pride, Nicholas Allen, Alex Russell, Kieran Breen, Jack Carson, Matthew Priscillia, bringing Provost, Josiah Mora, Andrew Coe, Elias Ergas, Anton uh, Nugbogo, there are one, two, three Olympians, mm-hmm. and the rest are, and and then you know, Josiah Morrow was part of the sevens team. He was so yeah. Four four he guys almost, have been consistently an with, Olympian. Yeah, he was almost Olympian. So four guys that were consistently part of rugby Canada's landscape. Mm-hmm. The other nine are fresh the, faces. The women's is, team
1: too has a very like on the opposite like just to kind of add on to that the women's team that was announced for these you know the two uh seven series that are coming up here like was also like very young very young as well so it's definitely definitely maybe a little bit of the uh the turning the page seems to be yeah happening
0: here. and and that kind of goes into our other news that there has been a slew of retirement posts uh, almost to the point where like we kind of so, had to like stop kind of running a post for almost every guy and just wait until we recorded because uh, we already knew
1: that it's probably easier to name the players that haven't retired.
0: From the yeah. <laughs> <at this> point. <laughs> They're just dropping like flies. Uh, but no, Nathan Hiriyama, Connor Bray, Justin Douglas are uh, announced, announced their retirement with last week. i um, joining Connor trainer. who We've spoke about previously. Um, you know, let's talk about Connor Braid and Justin Douglas first before we talk about uh, Mr. Hiriyama. Connor Braid has an interesting distinction, and I don't know if you guys saw this from Tier 2 Rugby. He is one of the only, uh, I want to get this right, um, one of the only uh, Tier 2 uh, rugby players to wear the number 10 jersey in the Pro 14. Mm. Oh. I'm trying to
1: now I'm scratching. Who did he
0: play for? What team did he play for?
2: Glasgow. Glasgow. No. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Those, nope. those uh,
0: Glasgow in 2014. Um Yeah, he and you know I I think tier two rugby She's, kind does of Did it, it say in, who the other guy is? I'm curious. No, he's the only guy. Oh, it says he's the only guy from a tier only two country. Only ever player born and raised outside a tier one nation to wear the number 10 in the Pro 14.
1: Oh wow.
0: And you know what? That's I think that 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 uh That's a fascinating tier two style. rugby's yeah, I think tier two rugby's write-up about Connor Braid doesn't do him justice because they talk about how there's missed you know, potential. He could have been, you know, a, a star in the 15s rugby. And you know what? That's probably right, but he also was a star in sevens rugby, and I think we cannot take that away from him. He was one of Canada's best players for a, like a, a decade, decade <laughs> for almost a decade. Like he was, yeah. and he could still be a, a star. Like, that's the thing. Is like oh, if, he is, if he doesn't retire, he starts tomorrow. Like yeah, he's a, yeah, he's, he's a star. He and you know what? I think that we we talked again. We talked about this with DTH, um, the fact that there's got to be a life after rugby because you're not, unless you're getting those top 14 deals, you are not making the money to retire. So I think Connor has kind of made that, that move. You know, if anyone falls on social media, he started a business with Harry Jones um, as um, real estate agents, which I mean, in the next couple of weeks, you guys might have to be talking about Harry Jones as well. Um <laughs> He was one of my favorite players to watch on the seventh. Is that why, you're, is
1: that why you're renovating your house so much? Gonna, you know, I'm hoping Connor that Reed. he comes to
0: Ontario and sells my house.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's you that's what you're getting at. This is this is how what you're doing for a Connor Braid autograph, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want him to I want to yeah. have a piece of paper that's got his signature. On.
1: You do realize that he's not gonna sign it though once he finds out what you did for team
0: USA this week, though, right? Yeah, that's fine. He doesn't need to know. <laughs> Don't listen to this episode, Connor. Uh, and you know what? Justin Douglas was just an absolute pure finisher for Canada, and yeah. like insane, insane. And, insane. Like he just so he was just so good. good. And it's it's a shame to see these two guys retire because again, there definitely is more gas left in the tank. But lives have to move on for sure. Um, but guys, I want to talk big. about Nate. I, was just, I feel bad. Called, like I feel kind of like
1: I mean all all, all four of these guys: Trainer Bray, Douglas, massive. Massive contributions to rugby sevens, rugby in Canada. But for some reason, like, Hirayama just, I feel like, just hits a little bit harder for some reason. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure why, though. But, like, I don't know. It just. He, I think it's, it, it he's is, been
2: around it's like, longer.
1: Well, it's like he's been around longer. And he, what, he's top three all time in scoring. Like, yeah, it's it's not even like you can't even sit there and be like, he's uh, Hiriyama is not just like one of the best. To ever pull on a Canadian jersey, like and talk about the game of sevens, like he's one of the best.
0: Period. Right. I think it. Just I think I think there is a very solid argument that Nate Hiriyama is one, one of the best rugby players, yeah, from Canada yeah. of all time. Yeah, you know we talk about Gareth Brees and Al Sharon. I think Nate Hiriyama's name needs to be like right there because the stuff that he had. He you know being part of like two World Cups. No. in 15s two worlds and Cubs, then also an the olympics and olympics pan am games gold medal i i was there for that game it was a fantastic uh game and then just everything that he's done in the world series i mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's, it's third all time i <laughs> think like you. It, thank you nate for everything yeah it, they're all it, retiring because they know that i'm leaving the game yeah yeah that's it they were <laughs> like oh that's what they were like. Oh, it,
1: that's what they did. Uh, they were like, Oh, it's Dan's last episode. Well, if Dan's gone, we might have yeah. well. yeah. no point I can't in us play being anymore, anymore. If he's not
0: going to talk about
1: me, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> what it all was. It's, it's Coincidentally, they've all retired after you mentioned it was going to yeah. be your last episode this week. Um, but even like how cool, like Nate Hiriyama, too. Like, I mean, I think it kind of shows his impact as well, just on like the Canadian sports world that he was named the flag bearer for the Olympics, too. Um, which is a super cool thing that he can say that he did. Um, you know, to end his career on represent Canada at the Olympics, be the flag bearer. Um, you know, we saw all the uh, the images of when they found out that they were going to the quarterfinals. How much it meant to those guys to be able to, mm-hmm. to you know, just to compete for a medal at those games. Um, so, like for as far as like for Hiriyama, Bray, Douglas, trainer, like it's nice to kind of all see them like. Uh, you know got got to get that olympics in and be able to say that they're like olympians and stuff before they because they've done basically everything else there is to possibly do in uh rugby 7s except maybe you know being an Olympian and then they got that and you know it's it's sad to see a bunch of legends of the game here in Canada you know call 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 it a career but you know now it's just uh you know we get to like reminisce a little bit and now perhaps we get to reminisce a little bit with our friend Dan here. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's the last it's the last episode, as we've mentioned. And, like, so, you know, it's like, obviously, this show kind of started because Dan contacted me. It was just like he wanted to do a rugby podcast. And I guess he saw some of the articles that I was writing. And, uh, you know, we, we just kind of, like, met for, like, a coffee one day and, you know, sort of just out of the blue kind of decided to do this um so really this show if people don't know is essentially dan created this it's all completely dan's idea so um what so this this everything that has happened is all thanks to uh, this gentleman in the arrows hat here um so like dan i just i gotta say before we kind of get into some of the fun reminiscing random stuff Mm -hmm. thank you for sending that dm and uh, getting this started
2: speaking of uh sliding into people's dms um last summer while i was working at a uh, office job and not having much to do i got a dm from uh mr dan murphy saying seeing what you've done with um uh, hardline rugby and we'd like to have you on the podcast and originally i thought this was like a one and done guest appearance talking about it and then um he elaborated further that they wanted me to join uh, the podcast as a whole so uh derek we both have similar um yeah, then then just staffing. like sliding
1: into people's DMs. i just like sliding yeah. into
0: people's dms it's yeah just...
1: no, then then how does it how does it feel kind of see like the thing that you created we're on episode 89 yeah walking away i mean 89.
0: we've got to interview some like legends of canadian rugby and some stars of the, the game right now and it's been such an amazing journey and you know um both of you gentlemen have made this such an easy, easy thing to do. And I'm excited to see what you guys can do next. And I mean, uh, Derek, at the time when I contacted you, you were like one of the only guys writing about the arrows. Cause like it was like the inaugural season, like the open, like the home game was like just coming up. Yeah. We
1: started it like randomly, like halfway through the year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like, and like we were, I'm um, like, why is no one talking about the arrows? Why am I like scrounging through American rugby podcasts? You know, there's some great, fantastic podcasts up there, you know, Earful Dirt, American Rugby Pod. Um, that is before the rugby ran. It was even a twinkle in those boys' eyes. Um, and I'm like, I'm tired of there not being something for Canadian fans because it's it's a fan base that deserves something. And, you know, um, having sat down and talked with them, it's been it's been an amazing uh, experience and. You know, much like this podcast, my life has now changed, you know, family has changed, situations have changed, so. Um, I'm excited to come back and you know, when when things are a little bit less chaotic and, and join the boys and chat, but I'm also excited to just sit down as if fa- I'm excited to have the notification pop up on my phone that there's a new LaRue's Rugby podcast available for me to listen to. I hate the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Anybody that does this feels the same way. But when I'm gone, and like, so there's a lot of I, times that
1: I've hated the sound of your voice during this run oh, too. As well, I mean, that's only my job.
2: A, fa- a fantastic return to form after all the uh, kindness that was being. Yeah, changed. exactly I mean, yeah, yeah exactly,
1: like, exactly. De- <laughs> no,
2: no, we can we can only
1: we can only be sappy for a little bit. It has to come with
2: a
0: couple jabs back too. Um, but yeah, like when I'm I mean, gone for whatever reason to hear you guys just do an episode on yourself. Like there was like, I think what episode had made me realize, that. I think it was the episode post the England Canada game. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is going to be a great show because like you guys were so honest and you guys, it, it was so good. And I'm so looking forward to what, uh, what comes next for La rouge rugby.
1: Well, I'm going to ask this. Cause you did mention, you did mention that, part of i guess one of your memories of the show and stuff all the cool interviews that we've done do you have like a favorite interview that we've done over the uh the couple years here man it's not every episode is an interview yeah i've done like what 15 20 of them but yeah um
0: there were a couple um the Cole keith interview was a lot of fun because cole's just i mean the first one the second one was great too but the first one cole was like the first like First rugby player, player that, that that we had on the show and he was great and he gave us a look into what Japan was like and kind of previewing the season and and what covid's been like for rugby players um that was a really cool interview to do and like we learned about the snack pack and that was mm-hmm. that was great um the jeff Hassler, yeah we had we had two basically we 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 did did two episodes episodes with jeff Hassler. jeff was great i I still remember the day before we were recording i get a pit i get a message from him saying like um the link's not working that that derek sent me um and he's just like we're meeting at like 10 30 right and i'm like we're meeting at like 10 30 tomorrow
2: yeah <laughs> and then he sent
0: me a picture of him wearing like his, his like he got his glasses on he had his coffee his earbuds and he's like i goofed and he was still great <laughs> enough to get up the next day and record with us and record we like recorded like, like did back almost did yeah almost four hours of content and the guy absolutely was was such a champ for us and you know uh and you know
1: what one of the funny things is from that um from that interview too is we asked uh, i think in this, the second part of that episode that we asked uh, like what rule would he change and he essentially said to put in the fifty twenty two. yeah and now <laughs> it's and now it's here or whatever yeah. just kind of at least you in guys the- have
0: to have him back on and play him that and be like so are you a wizard yeah.
1: <laughs> are you yeah did you like yeah some of in, those- inside of <laughs> trading yeah and, uh- yeah exactly interesting, yeah. but yeah no,
0: and it, you know what that that would be great to hear about more but what the 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 i wanted, like, doing... be,
1: I mean you know as a somewhat side of this it would be interesting to kind of hear some of the players thoughts on those trial laws um i don't know oh, the think, mlr ones yeah well not even the mlr ones but even like the trial laws from like the uh qualifiers here like because mm-hmm. there was a there was a game in um france too i think casters did the same thing with like the haas did where they had the goal line drop out and they just sent the drop goal back the other way so i think uh teams might be reconsidering that goal line dropout. Maybe don't fire it 40, 40 meters up the middle of the pitch. anymore. Um, But Dan kind of going to kind of move on. One of the things that I have kind of, obviously you've been the host. It's you're the first voice that everybody hears on pretty much every single episode, unless for some reason you weren't available for that day, for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. but well, one of the things that we've kind of started joking about on our show was that you would always start the episode with something that was completely irrelevant to rugby that had no bearing on it at all. Oh, yeah. Derek,
2: don't you know this is actually a curling podcast? Yeah, guys, exactly. it's, a curling, it's a curling
1: show. Exactly. <laughs> so, Dan, I've decided to take, we're going to end, we're going to kind of end this. We'll end this with some fun for you. Okay. you partly rugby themed. So, I'm going to give you two questions. Mm hmm. The first question, because as Stu said, this is actually a curling podcast. Mm -hmm. It's always been a curling podcast. You're the skip. Which rugby players are on your squad? And what position do you put them in? You get to, what's, yeah, you're the skip. So, so you get to pick three other guys. And then I guess I'll give you an alternate, too.
0: Alternate. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, your water boy slash
2: on the
0: back. Yeah. My, uh, so, with my my first and my my second, um, they need to be big boys. Like those are the guys that, like the this, the the lead, which is the first guy who throws the first rocks. He he his game is, is very finesse. Like he's throwing guards and and he's throwing rocks in the house. So he needs to have a nice touch. So I think the most comparable position I can think of is like a um, a hooker you know they, they have to carry make the the hard meters but like with the transition and um and how hookers are kind of played a lot of them are playing on the wing and stuff like that yeah. um you know what i think uh i think i might be showing my
1: us bias but uh your us bias what's when are you biased against the for the us
0: no no like Oh, right, because, picking, it, because you're
1: working for Gary Goldman. Yeah, yeah. Right, I forgot. I'm going to pick Dylan then, Fawcett. Yeah.
0: Dylan Fawcett's going Dylan to be my Fawcett? lead. All right. All right, he's got, all right. Yeah. No, it's
1: a, a good thing that Dan's leaving because he's apparently American. He's just been hiding it the whole time. But sure. uh,
0: he's, he's got, he's got right, the so, finesse so and also the, the muscle. All right, so, my awesome. second. You got the butcher up front. Okay. got the butcher up front. And my second, he is, again, those two guys sweep the most rocks. So they ha- they're almost guaranteed to be front row players. Um, so you know what? I have a feeling that cool. Keith has been on a curling sheet once or twice in his life. So he's going to be my second. He's going to be my, my like the leads are the ones that are throwing bombs down the ice. Um, So I'll take cool. Keith as my second. All right. All right. Get some curling so, snack pack going with your, with your third or your vice. They are typically. Um, they have to be very versatile. Like they, they have to be able to throw heaters down the ice, but also make accurate shots um, because they need to set up the final two shots for the skipper, which would be myself. Oh, shoot. Yeah, you're the skipper. Remember, so you know what? I'm going to I'm going to say Um, I just mentioned him. I'm going to say Jeff Hassler. The guy, the guy is versatile. Center wing. He's played a little bit of fullback in different teams. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, yeah. Jeff Hasler's gonna be my vice, and then for my, my spare, which, which is what I, well, I was a spare for my team when I was at when I was curling with with Fleming. Why am I? Not, I'm not surprised to be honest. I listen. I'm giving my, you the stick I because made, it's your final show. Yeah. Uh but no, no. But my my spare. You know what? I'll take I'll take Ben Lasage because I feel like I can put him at any. He he's such a versatile player. I can put him at any position. And I'd be like, okay, this might not be your, like, I think that you could handle any position. So I'll give Ben my yeah. my sparing. I, I like that you went with four
1: Canadians because Canadians are the best at curling. So that's mm-hmm. good. Um, I mean,
0: where? who won the last gold medal in men's curling? I'm assuming yes No, the U.S. Oh, was did. the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's the men not- didn't even. The men d- and the women uh, see, didn't this, even
1: this, is, this is not a good curling podcast at all. I feel no. like I should know that information no. if I'm going to be hosting a curling podcast. Um, so <laughs> to recap, we got the butcher, Cole Keith, Jeff Hassler, yourself as the skip, mm-hmm. and Ben Lasage on the bench. Stu, do you care to do you care to lend any curling insight? Do you think you could challenge Dan for a team here? Or? Oh, absolutely not. I've, oh, yeah. I've, I think. Would- <laughs> If anybody on social media feels like you can come up with a curling team of rugby players that would beat Dan's squad, let us know. At LaRouge Rugby. Dan doesn't have access to that account anymore, so uh, he can't respond. Um, so you don't have to worry about uh, him, him chirping you back. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll assess if you're, you think you have a squad that can be there. There we go. So then, Dan, I'm only asking this. I'm going to do the one last one um, because I'm only asking this because it weirdly appeared on Reddit today. And I sent it to you, or not today, but a couple of days ago. And I had to send it to you. And I think in our group chat, I literally asked, like, Dan, is this your burner account? Because <laughs> I was like, I was fairly confident that you're the only person in the world that has this cross section of interest. So I, th- I assumed it was you. But on Reddit, you got to give the credit, credit to the, uh, the user. In the Rugby Union subreddit, hey, Mr. DJ, put up a post. That said, any other rugby lovers out there that also enjoy a bit of d which if you don't know Dan, you know he does it very much. There's a reason we record on certain days, and that's mainly because Dan is playing d and on the other days. Mm-hmm. So he says, it's like, who's your group to beat mine in both a game of sevens and a PVP battle? Uh, so this, uh, hey, Mr. DJ suggested Jamie Roberts as a Dragonborn cleric, Sebastian Chabal as a dwarf barbarian, which I th- is absolutely perfect. I'm, that's hilarious to me. Um, Peter Steph Trois as a half orc fighter, Fafta Clerk as a gnome rogue, which is also awesome. This is also like so on. <laughs> on yeah, form. which is the most there's accurate like, thing. There's ever. a
0: subclass of rogue called swashbuckler, and I'm like, well, that's yeah. what Fafta Clerk is. is he, yeah, a sw- exactly. he's a pirate. He's basically a pirate. Exactly. That's
1: exactly what it is. And then Quade Cooper as an elf warlock. Bowden Barrett as a human wizard, which also I feel like makes a lot of sense. But then he, yeah. came, and then he said Israel Falao as a human paladin. Um, I think that's
0: a joke because of his religious beliefs.
2: <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even. Yeah. yeah. That.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay, that's funny. Uh, I didn't even. I was like, oh man, why would you pick Falao? I don't understand that. But oh, that makes sense. Kind of make fun of him. All right, so Dan, I got to give it to you, man. It's like, who is? Yeah. What What is your Rugby D and D party class race, and uh, I guess you have to beat Hey Mister DJ Squad here. Yeah, so. I don't know. So if do,
0: but, again, I, I I I try to sprinkle in a couple of Canadian players because again, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Um, but I'm going to start with um my uh my muscle. I've got a Goliath Barbarian even that is the big <laughs> yeah big even even he is Ooh. six foot eight 270 pounds which
1: is very small for a goliath by the way
0: which is small for a goliath but i mean when you're when you're that is the closest comparable i can get to a goliath in in, in normal life all we have to do is shave him and paint him gray and gives him some cool like tattoos, and he's a Goliath. And you know what? He gets so fired up in some like when a game matters, and and uh, Eben is a- at his best, he's fired up, and like that. If that's not a barbarian, I don't know what is. No, that's, and he's got the hands for sevens. So, um, <laughs> well, it's fine. He's going to murder people. It's fine. Yeah. So uh, okay. So for my next. Um, Next player slash rugby player. Um, I picked Dragonborn Warlock. Guys, they talk about how scrummaging is the dark arts. (laughs) (laughs) And I, uh, once again, picked someone I've mentioned previously in Cole Keith as my Dragonborn Warlock. Dragonborn Warlock. Tough, tough, tough player. Has had to make not only... A major transition within a season, but on the test level, switching from one side of the scrum to the other. So I think someone that can play both sides of the scrum and at MLR level, and then is now doing it at the test level. I mean, that's just dark
2: arts right there. Like, that's. I'm going to admit, when you said dragon born warlock, I thought you meant a Welsh born player.
0: No no my god wow dear. although if that, if you that, want that, to refer to welsh Welshman the, as dragonborn the, the, i will also accept that um that's i mean that'd be a cool name that's, yeah so right now we've got we've got a, a martial weapon user with my barbarian i've got a magic user with uh with my warlock i'm going with another guy who this class is all about versatility and In rugby and in D&D and especially in sevens, you need someone who is versatile. And again, I mentioned him on my curling team. Ben Lesage is nothing but versatile. He can kick. He can defend. He can run through you. He's got the step. He's got the leadership. He's got the package. Um, So I have him as my cleric because clerics, they can hit you hard. They're going to cast. They have the largest catalog. full disclosure clerics are my favorite class um because they have the, like the largest catalog of spells available to you um and i made him a warforged because he's just mechanical in the way he does things like it's precision <laughs> precision precision, oh, precision oh, with warforged with that is a deep dnd
1: cut too that's not yeah. so they, uh, just to just to prove that den is not a casual dnd fan den no. should actually have a dnd podcast probably instead of a rugby one but oh boy
0: i don't know I, uh, I don't know that much about T and I I don't know if I know that much about rugby, but you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll not, we're not going to touch that. Okay. So for my next player, um, so there's been a lot of debate about like, I know a lot of people picked Finn Russell. I'm going to pick Finn Russell because I mean, the guy can do things on the rugby pitch that is so impressive, but I think that there's been a mistake in, in the class that has been given to him. A lot of people are giving the wizard. Um, But I think I put him as my half elf sorcerer because a lot of what the magic that comes from a sorcerer is it comes like either from within or like something gives you that power. It's it's a little bit more natural than a wizard who just learns it. And I think of what makes Finn Russell so amazing is the fact that he can naturally from his own just talent – Make something out of nothing. I think of, I think of like just this amazing play that I keep on seeing on like TikTok and, and uh, Instagram. It's a reel of him just like kicking the ball himself, running through Munster's defensive line, picking the ball up and scoring a try. And that was all on him, natural talent. Um, so that's what I want out of uh, out of Finn Russell is I want him to use that that talent on the sevens pitch, and then I also want to want him to cast Fireball on my. You my, have a very
1: magic uh, heavy party right now. Well,
0: just just wait a second. Oh, okay. I gotta I got wait. Okay. okay. All right. Um, okay, so my next guy is is a fighter, one of the most oh, okay. versatile okay. classes I, in I, I won't the game. Criticize. Okay, yeah, fighter. All right. Um, and I picked Tom Curry, Ooh. and I think that. What we saw from the Lions tours again, I'm, I'm really going off of versatility. Um, Tom is aggressive. He's so strong at the breakdown. He's a strong ball carrier. He even, you know, dabbles in some lineouts sometimes. Like, the guy can do a lot and can do no wrong. Um, and I made him a changeling, which, again, something that can adapt itself it's to his good, environment. It feels like a good flanker race. Yeah, Be a I, I think that he plays a different game for sale than he does with England, and I think he played a different game with the Lions than he did with with England. And, you know, I think he just he's just one of those guys that can just adapt his game to what the, the coaching staff need from him. Hmm. Uh, and then my last guy, um, one of my other favorite classes is a druid, and again with druids, I'm preaching versatility, versatility. <laughs> they have they can do so much for your party. And then I picked a guy who's one of my favorite play, uh, players to watch. Togburn, that guy can do so much for your team. You need him at loose, uh, you know, you need him at on a flanker. Okay. You need him at lock. Okay. You need him to be an impact player coming off the bench. Okay. He's great in the lineup. He's great at the breakdown. He's Is a he giraffe running through your defensive line. forest
1: though. Cause that's, that's a key element of a Druid.
0: And you know what he he looks pretty mystifying. The fact that he went out into the wilderness of playing for the uh, playing in uh, in Wales for a period of time, only to come back and and you know earn that contract contract with Munster again, you know, I, I I think he's pretty damn mysterious. So I'm giving him my my last spot. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six guys. I think that's a pretty solid lineup. Might. I, I I I'm not gonna lie to you. I forgot about the seven side of it, so Cole Keith might be you know a little lacking on the uh, the sevens aspect I, of it.
1: But I I, I feel like a, uh, a a Dragonborn though might have this the speed. Oh yeah, they
0: they will they'll, they'll they'll catch know. up. And I feel not, like dra-
1: Dragonborns are used to being big men. They still have this. Big. Yeah, I,
0: I had that two way.
1: that I was like, I didn't do a whole party, but I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I've played D and D. This could be fun to come on. I got two. One. Lucas Rumball, I'm, I'm just I don't even know what like race to assign him, but he's a rogue. Oh yeah, I'm just you know just human rogue. I just want to put Lucas Rumball in D and D. We'll go human rogue for that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, just steals everything in sight, man. That's yeah, that's an easy one. Yeah, easy. The bonuses are so high; you could probably roll like a two, and it would be like twenty two. Oh yeah. Um, and then my other one is I was going to go with. From the Bristol Bears, uh, Max Leheath is a human bar. Or is a human bard. Oh I'm yeah, just- he's got oh. charisma. I was gonna say, have you seen like you've seen this guy's like post match interviews, right? Oh yeah, he's yeah, great. yeah. That, he he is
0: actually a bard. Yeah,
1: like that's. I saw her- someone
0: put um, put Joe Marler as like a half orc bard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, blood, that'd be that's that's mean, but also kind of like yeah that's, <laughs> yeah, that's also true. That's that's fair.
2: Yeah. Well, I've never played D and D. I mean, I was a ginger kid growing up in the UK. I was bullied enough as it was. I couldn't <laughs> couldn't really get
0: into D&D. Yeah, but still, it's cool now, or yes, at least yes. it's acceptable. Yeah, and if it's just, Diesel so, the, the
1: Diesel the MCU made being a nerd cool. Like yeah, to, the MCU and Stranger Things. We're allowed to we're allowed to enjoy a comic books and D and D now. Socially acceptable
0: activities in 2021 yeah. now. Got to embrace your inner nerd, Steve. Steve? <laughs> Steve, <Or> Stu. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Man. I'm off in
1: another yeah. world right now. Dan's just like big time in us on his last episode. He's like, he's revealing that he's actually an American yeah. double agent. Yeah. He's calling do <laughs> Steve. Yeah.
2: Well, Dave, it was,
1: uh, <laughs> it was a yeah. nice chatting. Oh, God. I don't even, like, Stu, I think, had a point that he was about to make, too, before you rudely interrupted, too, Dan.
2: No, I don't think it matters now because you yeah, just want to chat not. to Steve instead.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, th-
2: Well, no, Sue, I want to hear your point about making fun of D&D here. So I wasn't making fun of D&D. I was saying that um, growing up, obviously it wasn't cool to be in there. It is cool now. And all I've <laughs> I've I've just heard of D&D stuff. And so I've heard of like Critical Role. I've heard of D20 mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's where my knowledge begins and ends.
0: Critical role nice. is fun, actually. I really, really I love like, Critical yeah, role. Yeah, I'm critical I'm a, a huge Critical role fan. Dimension twenty is great. I mean, you have to, they're they're you know, they're kind of under behind a subscription wall, so you can only watch so much of it on on YouTube. But yeah, Critical role, big fan, love it all. I'll I absorb it all. It's like I got started with, with, with that. And, and honestly with rugby and D and D actually kind of started at the same time as when my daughter was born I was looking for just for like content to absorb when I was, you know, holding her, wrapping her up while she was napping. It was like, what can I watch that, you know? Uh, and those two things kind of just grew together at the same time. So that's, you know, that's what um it should be.
1: If the, the MLR this year, if they're going to do another like off season thing, Instead of playing a video game, they should play. They should D&D. do. They should play Dungeons Dragon. MLR and I love the idea. Yeah, there we go. Have, do like the Eastern Eastern Conference versus Western Conference, and then just be like the last the last guy standing on the quest is the uh,
0: is the champion. Oh, I like this. We should do M L R creative team. I am willing to DM anything. So, yeah, <laughs> hit, hit me up. I'll come out of uh, media retirement. <laughs> There you go. Oh, oh, so see, there we go. We could have kept
1: you around. Apparently we could have kept Dan around by having a D and D American rugby podcast.
0: There you go. Uh. Well, gentlemen, the time has come for uh-huh. us to uh, end this show. And, uh, Oh, again, I want to thank, uh, thank you guys. There's, you know, I want to thank uh, guys like, uh, Brock Smith, who has just been amazing to us and amazing to help, uh, kind of, uh, push this show along. Um, Folks like Bill Webb, Brian Ray, um, Aaron Castro um, have been uh, had guests on the show and also have helped us along the way as well. So I want to thank all of you for for helping us uh, grow the show. And, and I'm excited to see what these two gentlemen have up their sleeves in the coming months. I'm still going to make you do the social stuff. You're still working.
1: You're, mm-hmm. you're on the clock still then. You have to finish, no. finish up strong, man. No. I'll do it for this week and then I'm done. Yeah, no, exactly. No, Yeah. no, I mean like you have to like say the social channels, not post things. Oh. You still have to end okay. with that. I still you're not done I your hosting duties thing. You still have if to mention it. More... <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yo, you still have All right, to I got. I got you Look, I, you're still on the clock right now. Yeah, okay, right. you you're not. This isn't the last.
0: You don't get to slack off on your last day of work. Man, you do not know me then. All mm-hmm. right. If you want to listen to more of Lulu's Rugby podcast, Please follow the boys on social media at LaRouge Rugby, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, send us emails at Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, what do you want these two to talk about? Who do you want them to talk to? You know, do you like it being on YouTube? Maybe they, maybe you have some suggestions, suggestions that they haven't thought of. Let us know. Let them know. And I'm sure that the future is looking bright, not only or these two gentlemen, but hopefully for Canadian rugby. Bye, Dan.